Welcome to Stories from the Center of the Universe, the podcast about the human experience. All right, Kevin, last time we chatted, you had to go get your daughter from gymnastics. And I believe what we were talking about was uh, you had just been diagnosed with a, a brain tumor, effectively, just behind your left eye. Yeah. yeah. Um, and r- remind me and the listening audience how you knew there might be a problem. Uh, I was having cluster headaches. I started having cluster headaches. Uh, where they, I think I said it before, they came on and lasted anywhere from 30 to 60 seconds. And they were just very painful. I mean, it would either stop me in my tracks, either I had to cover up my eyes, close my eyes, or just sit down. And, you know, I, I had them for a few months, and then they stopped. And uh, I ended up going to see a doctor because my knee was bothering me. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So you go in to check your knee. Yeah, and he's like, well, you know, just lay off your knee for, you know, a couple of weeks, lay off running, and, you know, and he's like, was there anything else bothering you, Kevin? And I just happened. I said, yeah. I said, I've been having these, like, headaches that come on quick and last for 30 to 60 seconds. And he started asking me, he said, well, he said, are you stressed? I was at VCU at the time. I was like, no, I'm not stressed. He said, well, you, you're in college. I'm like, I'm not stressed. I was in the army before this. This is this is cake. I'm, I'm a student. This is yeah. great. <laughs> I'm warm. Right. You know? <laughs> uh, I'm fed. But he did some tests on me and said, "Have you been to the eye doctor? Are you having trouble seeing a board?" I'm like, "No." I said, "I'm pretty. I'm pretty much a nerd. I always sit up front now." And so he said, "Well, just go see your eye doctor." And I have. I just made an appointment with a guy here in Ashland. And, you know, within, I think, probably 15 minutes, he was like, you know, he, he had found what was going on. And he said, I got good news and bad news for you. What do you want first? I said, well, I'll take the bad news first. And he said, well, you got a brain tumor. Mm. He said, well, what's the good news? So the good news is you get your vision back once you get it removed. And they ran a biopsy or not? they weren't able to based on where it was. Could they tell they if it were not? No, no. He they had to the remove time, it and then figure yeah, it out. Yeah, at the time, I think he said, you know, it was fifty-fifty. He's like fifty-fifty whether it's you know cancerous or not. He said you just have to wait. And then he sent me back to my primary physician, Doctor Lee. Here was in mm-hmm. Ashland for years. Yep. Uh, and everything from there on just moved really quick. I think within a day and a half, I was I was ended up I was going to St. Mary's at five o'clock in the morning and having surgery. Because if it was cancer, y'all needed to get it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, I went back to my doctor. Uh, he sent me, I think I said last time I had a CT scan, and they sent me back to my doctor, and I went to go see a neurologist like the very next day, and a neurologist. Uh, my mom wanted to go with me. She was a nurse, and she went in there with me, and she, uh, I remember Dr. White, he looked at the MRI, and he, he said, he said, yeah, it's a tumor. And my mom just burst out in tears, mm. you know. And so I was like, oh, man, you know, be all right, Mom, be all right. And he's like, we're having a scheduled surgery for tomorrow morning. So I went to the gym that night, worked out, went for a run, told everybody in the gym. I said, well, I'll see you all in a couple of weeks and walked out of there. I think I would have maybe balled up in the fetal position, maybe. Uh, you know, when I was – when. After I uh, had the MRI done and the nurse started crying and I walked out of there, I walked into the bathroom and I can still see myself to this day, look, look at myself in the mirror and I, you know, I started to cry. Yeah. And I was just like, no, I'm like, I can't do this. You know, I said, get yourself together, walk on out of here and you'll be all right. And so I stopped crying and walked on out of there and I don't think I shed a tear again. Being strong is the way to go, but getting to that point of uh, being strong is not easy. Well, yeah, being strong and, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, so. All right, so they, they did surgery, um, and how long does it take to, well, I, I guess you know once you come to, well, actually, how did they take it out? I, I'm very curious about that. They, of course, they had me on, they had me on my back. Uh, they went, like, uh, they made an incision up on my top lip. Inside of my mouth. And they went through my sinuses. Basically, took out my sinuses. 
what the doctor explained it to me, and the tumor is right there behind my eyes. They took out your sinuses? Basically, yes. So you have, you're missing part of your sinus uh, canal, or they put it back? I think they put it all back. I, I don't know. I was asleep. <laughs> so I was out. I don't know if it was me. I don't think I'd be asking a lot of questions, but when it happens to somebody else or somebody else <laughs> goes through that, I'm like, what happened? I've never thought, of, I've never thought to ask. Never thought to ask, and then I've never cared to ask. And how big was it? Uh, size of a golf ball. And do they have to break it apart before they pull it out, or they're able to just take it out? Because that seems I like I think they just cut it up and take, took it out. Okay, it's it supposed to be surgery. Is supposed to be like an hour and a half to two hours, but I was in there for like six, seven hours. Mm. Mm. And I remember uh, in the recovery room starting to wake up. And I, my eyes were not open. I remember it's just all black. I remember my shoulders hurting really bad because they had me tied down. They had my shoulders like stretched out. You hadn't moved. Yeah, and. Remember my shoulders hurt. I remember waking up like, "Oh my god!" And the nurse is like, uh, "You okay, you, Kevin?" She started asking me questions. I said, like, "My shoulders hurt." She said, "Yeah, that's just that's just normal. It's because you were tied down." And I was just like, "Yeah." I was like, "Can I get something to eat? I'm hungry." She's like, "Oh no, you can't have anything to eat. You're still waking up right now." I'm like, "No, I'm really hungry. I want to eat." <laughs> so let's. Uh, uh, so they have to break it up. Uh, and I, I guess the next natural question is, because you, you don't find out for a while whether it's malignant or not, whether it's cancerous or not. I think I found out that night. Or oh, the really? Next day. That's, yeah, it's pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, I found out pretty quick. Uh, I think I think they told me soon after I woke up, or maybe the next day. Mm. I, I want. It's twenty some years ago. I, I want to say it was like the next day. I was thinking twenty some years ago they'd have to send it to a lab, and then they they test it three days later, and they notify four days after that. I have no idea. But it was pretty quick. Yep, that was quick, and, and it was benign. Yep. So, how does a benign tumor form anywhere in the body, but especially in that part of the body? Probably sugar. All the sugar I ate. You think so? No, I don't know. The doctor, uh, he said you could have, you know, could have just formed here in the past six months past year or it could have you could have had it there your whole life and you, they don't know yeah you didn't know it's one of the mysteries that yeah, uh, we just don't understand that's yet. one of the questions i did did have for him and he's like we don't know you don't know how long it's been there hmm. that's wild yeah yeah there, there are mysteries in the ocean there are mysteries in outer space and the mysteries about the human body there's mysteries in my head yeah <laughs> i got some of those too uh all right so you end up uh recovering no side effects, no long-term impacts? No, the only side effect I had is just like it would get up under my my lip would get numb sometimes, tingly and numb. And sometimes it still does. Really? Yeah. That's wild. It is wild. He's, he, the doctor said it's from the nerves. It just bu- nerve busted up the nerves. Yeah. And there's no way to repair those. Mm-mm. No. It's nothing like what it used to be, but occasionally it will happen. So. Mm. But it's not. it's just weird. It's not like super bothersome. No, no, it's never been super bothersome. Okay. All right. And so you, you kind of went back to, like, did you miss enough of school that you kind of had this, like, missed that semester? You know, that's a, that's a story in itself. So I told all my professors, I was taking, I think I was taking, I was taking five classes, maybe six. or And I told all my professors, went to them that day, and I went back within two weeks. And I, in that two weeks, I had missed a lot because it was the beginning of the semester, and all my professors, they're like, all of them except for one were really, you know, they were like, hey, great to see you back. You know, take your time. If you can't make it all up, you know, that's fine, you know. But I made everything up. And I'm, except for, I was taking this sociology class. And I liked sociology at the yeah, time. Yeah, it's a, it's a good course. And I remember this guy, He's he was smaller than me. He was shorter than me and just, you know, thin rail. And he had this big old beard. And I remember I went to him and had like a test, a paper, and something else doing his class. And I said, look, I, and I went to him after about a week and a half. I said, look, I, I said, I'm, just, I'm trying to get caught up. I said, I, I haven't had the time to uh, study for your test. or It's either the paper or the test. I said, can you give me a, another day? I'm just asking for a day. And he said, nope, sorry. And he knew what you had been through. Mm-hmm. Knew exactly what I'd been through. So nope, sorry. And he said you're, you know, I'm holding you to the same standard as everybody, everybody else. 
Just, yeah, but not everybody else had a, a, yeah, said, a uh, mask behind their eye. Yeah, I said, well, I said, I said, well, well, appreciate it, thank you, and you know what? I said, every every professor I've had have been very supported me all the way and given me time, so they'd give me extra time. I said, but I've made up all. I said, it's just the one thing. I said, you have two things going on in your class right now that I'm trying to get caught up, along with trying to keep up in your class right now. And I said, it's just, you know what? This class isn't worth it to me. Yeah, of course not, if he's yeah, going to have so. that reaction. So, I mean, the, the lesson learned, regardless of whatever age you, a person is, is if somebody's gone through something like that that creates an unfair advantage for them it's just completely unfair that you that happened to you now you're not a, you're not a, you were technically a victim but you don't have that mindset i'm going to power through it i'm going to get back into all these courses i'm just asking for a little bit of help which does not give me uh i'm sorry when i said unfair advantage like you, you were in a tough spot giving you a little more time a day is not giving you some unfair advantage over the rest of the class and it's not like i was you know i was going out hanging out going to parties and you know, just getting drunk and missing his class. You know, it was, I was trying to get caught up and, you know, hey, it, some some people are tough like that. And you know what? I, I guess he's just being tough. I won't say he's being unfair. I think he's being an ass. I think he's being unfair. So I, I think he's being inconsiderate of what, what had happened yeah. to you. Um, That's look, the last sociology class I took to, unfortunately. Yeah, which, which is sad. He, t- he turned me off from it. To, to an entire field of study. Yep. Yeah, it's it's... Yeah, look, being hard uh, to make people better is fine. Being hard because that's just what you do doesn't fit in every situation. And so he should have used his brain a bit. And look, I I know you're a couple inches shorter than me. I joke about people that are seven, eight inches shorter than me. Like, yeah, they're they got a Napoleon complex. Every time they see me, they want to knock me down. But that's not what was going on with you. You weren't some six three, two hundred and eighty pound dude. You were about his, probably a little bit bigger, but not massively bigger. And he was just being a jerk. Yeah. Because he could. Yeah. He's probably the smallest adult in every room he goes in. <laughs> probably so. And that probably bothers him even to this day, Yeah, I'm guessing. Is he still there, you think? I don't know. I've never looked him up since then. Yeah, why would you? I, I don't even remember his name. You know, I Good. Never, I never looked back after that. So. Mm. that. That beard was trying to make up for something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So, but So did you finish the other five classes? Yeah, yeah, I finished all the other five classes, and you know, I think that I, that semester, I think the I walked out of there. The lowest grade I had was a B in one of those classes. Yeah, nice. And I think that was a constitutional law class. What year in school were you? Uh, it was my junior year. Okay, so you had one more year to go, yep. and you finished the next academic year. Yeah. Okay, so you basically finished. Nothing got derailed massively, other than you had to delay taking one more class. My, my, my uh, trips to the gym got derailed for a while. Uh, like you couldn't work out for months? Yeah. Uh, a couple months. That made me mad. Because that was a good de-stressor. Yeah, and, it was my de-stressor. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and you still work out consistently now, right? Uh, I fell off the wagon there for a while. Uh, I got COVID when COVID started, first hit Richmond. And Back in like March, April of 20? Yeah. No, yeah. Was it 20? Yeah, it was 20. And that derailed me. Then, you know, some life events derailed got me out of the gym and so but uh now i'm finally back until i think two and a half weeks ago i strained my calf and my hamstring in the same leg in the same day <laughs> how'd you do that <laughs> trying to uh just trying to be 20 something again mm. yeah trying to push myself i decided that 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 was a week i was going to start pushing myself harder okay so i started pushing myself harder and i was doing uh, I do CrossFit, so I was doing some 400 repeats, 400 meter repeats, and doing some box jumps, and I forget what else I was doing, pull-ups or something. And it's funny because I had just finished either deadlifts or squats, so I thought my legs were warmed up. And I went out for my second 400, and I felt I felt my hamstring. I'm like, ah, oh, dad, going because I've I pulled my hamstring, I've strained my hamstring. Many times I pulled my hamstring uh, two years ago, and I knew right away what I was like. Damn it! It's all, <laughs> it, it feels like you've been hit in the back of the leg. Yeah, when you strain, you can just it just suddenly hurts, right? You know, and you you you. I was limping, so I, I'm like, turn around, walk back to the gym, and I think I just got on a rower and started rowing instead. And then I did. 
kettlebell swings is what I, I did kettlebell swings and then I got on the box and finished that round and went out for another round and I got on the rower did the rowing got back did a kettlebell and did the kettlebell swings then started doing box jumps again then when I landed I felt my calf I was like and I thought I'd how did you do a box jump with a, a messed up hamstring I'm trying to be 20 something again it, but it hurt right no it didn't hurt you know huh. I'm like I'll do a couple to see how it feels Wow. Okay. So you you, you, but, you didn't feel the pain until later. No, but I no I felt I was I was stepping down. I wasn't jumping off, and I stepped down, and I came down on my calf, and it felt it felt like my calf exploded. So I thought I had tore my Achilles, mm. and I, I knew right away. My there goes my calf, and so I sat down, and and then you know, my calf was bothering me. Then I think later that night, I really started feeling my hamstring. Mm. But you're back at it now. Uh, I'll go back next week. Okay. Yeah, I took the past two weeks off. I mean, I wasn't watching you walk when you came in the in my place, but you seem like you're doing okay. Yeah. Uh, it it bothers me to sit down sometimes, but I am. Yeah, okay. I'm doing good. All right, right on. All right, what was your major? Uh, criminal justice. Because you, you knew, at what point did you know you wanted to be a law enforcement officer? Uh, I don't know, probably, probably in the Army. You know, when I got out, my brother really talked me into. Uh, he's like, "Hey, just go to go to school, take uh, criminal justice. You can go to law school. Blah blah blah. You can do whatever." And my uh, my last semester of school, I, mean, I was I, in, in school. I was like a little nerd in college. You know, I you were the there to study. Yeah, I had the discipline to do it. And up until my last semester, all I did was read and study. My last semester, I was just like, I can't. I, and I was. Took the LSAT uh, in the fall, and I was going to go to. Uh, I was going to try to go. To, uh, I was going to go to. Uh, uh, drawing a blank here. <laughs> U of R. Yeah, uh, one of the schools. I was going to go to law school, and I applied to U of R, and took the LSAT, and then I started my last semester, and I was just like, I, I can't do this. I didn't want to read. Didn't want to study. My last semester, I think I got all C's, and all it took was 12 credits. I mean, they, look, everybody's got a limit on education. Some people hit it in high school. Some people hit it in college. I, I hit it towards the second half of my college. Really? Yeah, about yeah. my bachelor's degree. When I graduated, I, I kind of two, I had two thoughts. One was I, I can't believe I actually graduated because I did not enjoy the last couple of years, at least the academic part. Uh, and then I'm, I'm like, I'm never going back. Yep. And – I remember my brother telling me, he's like, once he said, I finished, I finished school and I was working, I was working for a builder, a family friend, uh, some throughout college and Bill and Bill was like, why don't you come work for me? Just keep working for me. And my brother was like, oh, why don't you uh, come apply for Richmond and come work, work, work for Richmond. And he introduced me to a couple of guys he knew. One of the guys uh, had worked for Richmond for five, 10 years and went to law school mm. and he was and he introduced me he was in his last his third year of law school and he he's like yeah just come on for a couple of years and you know just see what you want to do and maybe you can go to law school and 23 years later here i am i never went back to school yeah so it wasn't like you grew up when you were like eight nine ten years old thinking i i really want to be a police officer you you were thinking i'm going to go through life and experience it i'm going to uh, you you join certain organizations like the army as you're moving along based on input from other people and and you you self reflecting. So being a police officer for 23 years, it, did at some point it became a calling for you, or you just knew you enjoyed what you did, or uh, it's service to community, all of the above. What was it that has kept you in there? Uh, it kept me entertaining. I enjoyed what I did. I've enjoyed what I've done. Uh, you know, just like any other career, you have your moments. You know, I almost quit within three years and started good work for Bill. Mm. And but no, I, it's it's been fun. You know, I, you know, it's just. I mean, I think my first six months, I'm like, oh my god, this this goes on out here in Richmond. There's all the you know. You I and I, grew, you, you and I grew up in the Ashland, kind of yeah, in, in the I middle of nowhere. No idea. Yeah, so your Richmond is rough, and you know that really well now. Yeah, and you know, here I am out there talking to guys, and the guys that got guns, drugs. You know, I'm chasing people, getting into vehicle pursuits, and, I'm, and at the time, I'm like, damn, I'm getting paid to do this. This is fun. That gone. 
You know? You're playing cops and robbers. Yeah, basically. yeah, yeah. I'm like a little kid again. I don't think I took a day off my first year and a half, wow. two years. I think my one of my I, I know one of my supervisors toward the end of the year, you can carry over, but so much vacation time. And he's, he came to me. He's like, Kevin, you need to burn sixty hours before the end of the year. Mm. And I think this was like November or something like that. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's you got to take some time off. I'm like, you're making me take time. Because you were loving it. Yeah. And so he's like. He's like, I'm not making you. You're just gonna lose. I'm like, okay. And he, honestly, I really didn't care. That's, I mean, that's great. Yeah. Everybody wishes they had a job like that. I imagine there have been some times over 23 years where it didn't feel like that. Yeah, uh, I'll ask some questions. You, you can say, look, you can give me a look like you don't want to answer it, or you can just say, I'm not answering that. Have you ever discharged your your weapon? As part no, of no, never had to. Ever, ever come close? Yeah, numerous occasions I've come close. Like you, you pointed your weapon at, at somebody, thinking if they, they do something stupid, I may have to discharge my weapon. Yeah, I have, and you know, I've had a fight for other people's guns. I've fought for my gun, probably twice mm. in my career. That's that's scary as shit, man. Yeah, it is scary. It's very scary, especially when that person's bigger than you. Yeah. So I've or, had, or on something. Yeah, I've had a couple other cops come in, and you know, at the right time, and you know, things went it went went in our direction you know instead of turning a corner but it's uh you know i've had a couple friends that have and you know it's not something i i don't think it's not something i'd ever want to do well i mean every police officer i know or everybody's uh been in the military none of us want to fire our no, weapons. Uh-uh, no no but yeah it's been a lot of fun you know i've done a lot of things uh i started out and I started out in Southside in Blackwell Hillside community. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went from there after about a year. I went to up to Churchill, up in the projects, and from there I went to a like a, a street level drug unit. And all we did was just ride around, jump out on corners, and jump out on uh, guys. So you weren't undercover; you were p- patrol, no. but you were yeah. trying to bust up stuff going on in the corner. Yeah, and, and I got the opportunity to do a couple of citywide initiatives where it's like a uh, you went after firearms. The, your focus was trying to get guns, off, illegal guns off the street. Did a couple of those. and I, I, well, Hold on a second. How do you do that? Uh, getting out on people on corners, stopping cars. And one thing I've learned from being a cop is just how you talk to people, you know, your approach with people. You ask, I, I ask certain questions. Uh, and every question I ask from somebody, generally, I'm looking for a response. I'm looking the way how they answer me. Like you and I are talking right now. You hear everything I say, and I'm using the same tone with you. Yeah. And you're answering all my questions. Then when I ask you, do you have any firearms in your car or on your person? And They'll change if they have something. There'll be a long pause, or they go, huh? Or what? What'd you say? And or some people even look. They'll sit there and look around the car, or, and look down, and they you know they'll look to where it's at. Yeah. And some sometimes I think they're just thinking, "Damn, it was in here earlier. Is it in here now?" Right. And once I see those things, I started asking more questions. Or I'll you know I'll ask people to get out of the car, and just take it from there. So, can you walk me through uh, one of the stories where you had to wrestle for your own weapon? My own weapon? Uh, I was, uh, my ex, Janet, we were, uh, she just just found out we were pregnant with our first, with Peyton. And I was working overtime. Uh, I was in narcotics at the time, and I signed up for overtime just to, you know, have some extra money. You got a kid coming. Yeah. And uh, I had a motocross bike, and I had just bought one for Janet. And so I'm like, all right, let me work some overtime, pay pay this off real quick. So we have no bills. And so I was sitting in the Chick-fil-A on Forest Hill eating my lunch. And it was right around noon. And This is in the middle of the day. Middle of the day. And I was sitting in there reading reading the paper, eating my lunch. Guy comes, and this, at this time they had the U-Crops is over there. And a guy comes running in, you cross, he, I assume he saw my marked car sitting up front. He comes running in and says, Officer, officer, this is my loss prevention guy's uh, chasing this guy that just stole steak out of our store. And I was just like, every cop's worst nightmare. Daggone it, you're interrupting my lunch. Right, I just really want to eat my lunch. On. I just want to eat my lunch. <laughs> These fries are going to be cold by the time I get back. 
But uh, yeah, I was like, all right. I said, where's you? Where's he at now? He said, last time I saw him, they were on Forest Hill going over the overpass over Chippenham. So I got in my car, uh, called up to him at the Wawa right there behind the Wawa. There's like a retirement home right there. And I called him, called up to him in the parking lot. And as I got out of the car, you know, I told I told our dispatcher, hey, I'm getting out with two uh, at I think 7200 block of Forest Hill behind the Wawa. And I got out, and the guy that he was chasing, this guy, he's bigger than you. He had been 6'5", probably 230-plus. And I get out, and both of them are tired. Both of them are sweating as hot as hell. It's in June or it's sometime in the summer. And he, uh, I said, hey, I said, and I grabbed him. I said, "Just get up against my car." And he said, "He said, well, what's going on?" I said, "I said, I don't know. I saw both of y'all running. You know, I know something. You know, I guess y'all are fighting." I said, "I'm just gonna put both of y'all in handcuffs. You'd be on your way here in a minute, trying to calm him down." Right. You know, because he's a lot bigger than me, so I'm trying to get him calm. And and so he, I get one handcuff on him, and he's leaning on the hood of my car. I get one handcuff on, and he goes, "F this! I ain't going back to jail." Pushes off the car, turns around, fights on. And did I, he swing at you or did he try to like wrestle you to the ground? I want to say he pushed pushed me away. And, you know, I went to grab him again. And that loss prevention guy, um, I, I'm fighting. Both of them are fighting. Both of us are fighting with him. But I don't know what, you know, I'm just focused on this one dude. All right. And I remember at some point he... Uh, he he got me turned around so my back was up against my toward my car and he like just like just bent down and just lunged into me and he went and he went and grabbed my gun mm. and we have it i want to say at the time we had a double retention so he, he, it's hard for somebody just to pull your gun out right uh so I, I got away from him and he had one one handcuff is hanging Handcuffs, one handcuff is on his wrist. And somehow he, well, one of the first things he did was rip my radio off of me. So I couldn't get on the radio. That was so, intentional. Yeah, that was intentionally smart. And so we're wrestling with him. I pulled, went to OC him, and I don't think that worked. I don't remember what happened. What's, a, what's OC? What's OC? Like the pepper spray. Okay. You sprayed it in the face. Uh, makes Some people, makes their eyes close. You nose runs, cough. They back off. Too. Yeah. And so I pulled out my ass. And I think because he was so sweaty that my ass basically just slipped out of my hand. I remember I, I extended it. And now I, I hit it, hit him with it a couple times. Some, you say, are you saying asp? Asp. A-S-P. Okay. Baton. Yeah, yeah. And somehow that, that ends up on the ground. And I remember he's got, I remember looking at my hands and I got, he's got blood on his forehead. We split his forehead open. You did. One of us did. I don't know. Uh, I think I did. But uh, I mean, it was, it was an all out fight. I mean, he's hitting me uh, and I had, you know, my vest on. He's hitting me in the body. So I don't, I really don't feel it. And I'm just giving him everything I could. Uh, And he, uh, I remember looking at his head, and he's got blood all over his head, and he had no hair, and he had blood all over him. And I remember looking at my hands and seeing blood all over my hands. I remember just thinking, shit. I'm like, if he's got AIDS or whatever, now I got it. And I said to the, the guy from Ucrops, I said, watch out, he's bleeding. <laughs> and the guy that we were fighting, he looks at his, he looks at it, he like wipes his face, looks at his hands, and he goes, I got AIDS. And I remember thinking, shit, either I can just let him go or I can finish this. And I'm like, damn it, I got his blood on me already. I'm going to finish this. And so uh, we grab onto him again and eventually get him down on the ground. And he's still fighting. And I end up on top of him. And he, uh, you know, we're doing, we're trying to get it. He won't put his hands behind his back. We can't get his other hands. And eventually, just wear him out so much, he got so tired that he just he just gave up and mm. gave us his, he just rolled over and gave us his other hand. And and if he hadn't resisted, it's a petty crime. What he had done, right? Crime. Yeah, he would have been on his way. Like, yeah. Gave him a summons because I don't think he's, 
I don't think he was. Uh, I don't think he had had two larcenies on his record. I think he just had one, or maybe none. But I remember standing up, got him in handcuffs, and went over and grabbed my radio. Went to go grab my radio. Walked over and grabbed my radio, and I have no idea how long this has been going on. But people started calling nine one one for me, mm. and I remember, I remember seeing Channel Twelve News setting up a camera right there. As things were calming down, as things were calming down, going on, and I remember getting on my radio, finally getting on my radio, and the radio's just going nuts, trying to reach my, uh, reach me, and I just I remember so I had to take him down to uh, MCV uh, to get to get stitches and. He said, he said, he said, like, man, I'm sorry. This is over a couple of steaks. Yeah, he said, I'm sorry. I was hungry. He said, I just, you know, I just smoked some crack. I was hungry. I was going to say, he had to be on something. Yeah, I, I wanted to get something to eat, and, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just like, and, he, and because he got into an altercation with a police officer, he's going to spend more time in jail than he, he would have he, otherwise. He called a felony. Yeah, I mean, a pretty bad one. Yeah, he called a felony. Uh, so, how long ago was that? She was 2008. Yeah, so back... No, no, no. Yeah, 2008, 2007, 2000. So I, I don't remember. I mean, I know some ways that you can transmit AIDS. Like Arthur Ashe famously died from a, a blood transfusion. They messed up the needles or whatever, and obviously there, there are other ways to do it. Can you... I don't think you can transmit AIDS that way, or can you? Uh, I think you can get into, like, open source, which I had none, but... Like an open cut or yeah. an open sore, okay. And it turns out he did not have AIDS. He just did. He said, "I did that to try to get me get y'all off of me." Yeah. He said, "I just wanted to get away and eat my steak." Because <laughs> I, I just wanted today. I just wanted to smoke crack and eat a steak. And I was like, I just wanted to eat my tin waffle fries, man, <laughs> and read my paper. Yeah. <laughs> that's not that's not the lunch you expected. Yeah. You know what the screwed up thing about that whole day it was? I was supposed to get off at a certain time. And go with Janet and see the first ultrasound. Wow. So, <laughs> so you missed that? Yeah, I missed that. And I told him that, too. Because one dude was hungry after yeah, smoking I made I made sure the judge knew that, too. Mm. So he only got like 18 months or something like that for all that. That's surprising. It was surprising. That's, I was kind of aggravated at that. But yeah, As you should be, because uh, if you do that with a law enforcement officer, you should pay a pretty stiff penalty. Yeah. You know, that and a couple other little cases I had, I realized... I'm like, I have no control. I, the only thing I can control is my part, what I do. You know, if I'm arresting somebody, you know, the the effort I put into my report, my notes, what the person does or doesn't say, what witnesses do, will say or not say, that's all I can do. Everything else is out of my control, you know. Yeah, I, if I screw up testifying, yeah, I'm going to screw it up that way, but... You know, as far as the judges and what happens in court, I have no control in, in the city. I, I I can't predict what's going to happen. Mm. So I've seen, after that, you know, I was in narcotics at the time. I was a narcotics detective. And I had a case one time where uh, we had bought drugs off a, a guy. I had an informant. Bought drugs off a guy. We had, we had, Lots of evidence. We even had stuff on video. And we went to court, and he asked for a jury trial. And the the foreman for the jury shows up in, like, pink pajama bottoms and, uh, like, her pajama shoes. I remember she looked at uh, the Commonwealth attorney and just gave her a look. I'm like, oh, this ain't going to go well today. And they came back not guilty. Mm. And he walked like, nope, it's a Richmond jury for you. Yeah, I don't have any experience with, with that. Uh, I guess I'm not shocked by that, yeah. that kind of outcome. Yeah. Um, all right, so when you were on patrol, and I, I'm guessing you've done patrol intermittently throughout your career, but you certainly start doing with right. patrol. I think you mentioned that earlier. What's a typical uh, week or, or even a two-week period for you? Like I'm, try, I'm trying to figure out if you're like in your car – a good chunk of the time and then you got to go to court depending on what's going on so in the city uh we work 11 half hour days patrol works 11 half hour days which 12 hour day and you're in your car the whole time unless you have some type of special assignment 
uh, like maybe like riding a bike or whatever, but you're in your car going from call to call. Unless you have to go to court yeah. on a particular day. Court, uh, unless you weren't, if you work day shift, court will typically be during your duty hours. If not, it's when you're off. Mm-hmm. And that burns out a lot of people, especially guys that are making arrests, a lot of arrests. You're getting paid for that time, but it's, it's, still, paid, it's, it's but still a long week when you have to do yeah, that. Yeah, if you're working from, uh, if you're working, like, we, when I first came on, we worked either 6 to 6 or 8 to 8. And if you're getting off at 8 o'clock and you're waiting around till 9.30 to go to court. And then and then you may not, the case may not be seen for a while. Yeah, a couple hours. Or if you get off at 6, you go home and you take, you you fall asleep for two hours. You wake up, you're angry. <laughs> you haven't gotten a good good night's yeah, sleep. Yeah. I gotta, I, and what really hurts is when you got to go back in that afternoon. That's what really hurts. That's brutal. Yeah. And, I, and, and not effective. No, and... I guess when you're young or younger, you know, it, you, I don't know, it, it bothered me, but, you know, at the same time, I kept going. I never slowed down. Uh, I was just, I was, I was enjoying my job. I was enjoying what I was doing. So, you, you got to, yeah. right? Because you're, when you're wrestling, I mean, why did he go for your weapon, by the way? The guy that stole the stakes. I don't know. Was he trying to get it even more time? I don't know. I guess if you're on crack, you, you yeah, can't he, control what I you're don't doing. Know, I don't know if I ever asked him, and I don't know if he ever ever said anything. I remember there was another time up in Churchill. There was a guy, was a, uh, a mid-level drug, drug dealer. He's an he's old guy, and his nickname was a colonel. And he had a bunch of guys out there at, uh, at 20th and Venable uh, that would deal drugs for him. And they were all out there at midnight, all out there after midnight. And I remember this one guy, and he looked like he's, he was probably 6'3 and just skinny, just a crackhead. And it looked like he hadn't eaten in probably a year. I remember he had this big coat on. The coat went down, like, to his knees. And I used to always see him out there. And I'd gotten some crack pipes off him before. And, you know, hey, just, you know, stop <laughs> Get up the corner, you know. Go home. Right. Go, go somewhere else. You bother me. And so one night I got out on him, and I forget his name. I'll use Paul. It's like Paul. I said, "What are you doing out here?" And he just started acting really, really nervous. I'd never seen him acting like this before. And he was just antsy. He's just trying to. He's just like, you know, Mills. Why are you bother me, Mills? I, I'm not doing anything. I don't have anything on me. And just the way he was acting, I was like, I said. You mind if I pat you down real quick? And he just like froze. And he's like, uh, 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 he, yeah, yeah, you can. And so I started to pat him down, and I felt I felt a gun, a revolver. And, he, and that's that surprised you? Yeah, yeah. For I mean, this dude was a crackhead, but it turns out he was out there dealing too. Mm. So he he was holding. He had some crack on him. And he worked for the colonel. Mm-hmm. He had some he had some crack on him. And he he went for my gun, and I was out there. I was it's just me and him out there. And it was I remember it was like twenty some degrees that night. And uh, I mean, fortunate enough, I got the upper hand. You know, got him in handcuffs, and he uh, uh, it's just seeing I, I like I never would imagine that guy one would have a gun on him. And two would be dealing, but you know what? Or three go for your your weapon. Yeah, one, he he taught me, and that was probably maybe a year and a half on, two years on. Never, never, uh, you know, it's it, no telling who has something on them, yeah. and what they have on them. Yeah, you got to be there. A, a good bit of paranoia. Yeah, and there's a, another time. You. This guy didn't go for my gun, but I was uh, uh, got a call for a guy. Up and this is Churchill again, right there from Mechanicsville, right out there at the uh, Henrico line. It's a gas station convenience store as you're going out into the county. Uh, and it's the last one in the city. Got a call, the uh, clerk called, said there's a guy who never gun threatening people, threatening the uh, clerk. So we go up in there, and I remember the guy's name, and this, he's a bad dude. And so we go up in there. You, and you knew going into the gas station that he was a bad dude, or you found out later? Uh, I, I knew going in there, he's yeah. a bad dude. So we walk in there, and of course they described him, and we see him. And he's with three other three other guys, 
And me and the guy that went on the call together, we go right for him. And he runs toward the back of the store. And we catch him right right there at a uh, at the um, the cooler and the back wall. And he had a big old 45 on him. And, I mean, I felt it right away. And we were trying to get that damn thing from him. And he, he grabbed it. He pulled it out. And we were able to. Me and a guy's, a guy's name is uh, Maya. We grabbed him and we stretched his arm out above his head and above our heads. And we got his arm up in the air and got that gun up in the air. And this, thank God this guy named uh, Timmy comes running in. And he comes in and just grabs, rips the gun out of his hand and throws it up on top of the cooler. Timmy's another police officer. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Uh, uh, we, and we ended up getting in handcuffs at that. But his three buddies are sitting there. Uh, yelling at us before Timmy, before and after Timmy came running in, yelling at us, throwing drinks at us, throwing potato chips at us. <laughs> so we're watching, watching them, and we're trying to fight with this knucklehead. Yeah. When you say he's a bad dude, what, what goes through your head? Uh, he had been involved in some shootings, and he had known to be uh, shoot people. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's not good. No, it's so. It's the city. Uh. I don't know if I have this story straight, but I, Mike London, who used to coach at U of R, he coached UVA uh, for football. He was a Richmond City police officer. Yep. I don't know if you ever ran into yep. him. Uh, but the story that I heard, and you tell me if this is wrong, that he was in pursuit of uh, somebody for something. I don't remember exactly the details. And he came, and shots had been fired, and he's coming around a corner chasing this guy, and the guy had stopped, and he's got his, a pistol, I assume, in Mike's face, and he pulls the trigger. And he'd run out of rounds. And I think Mike's like, uh, I think I need to do something else in my <laughs> life. Yeah, I'd heard that story. And one of my partners in narcotics, I had, when he first came on, he worked, worked with or worked uh, in the same area that Mike did. And he would talk about Mike London. Yeah. Especially after uh, he, uh, when he took U of R to the... I think he won the national championship. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, I I think if that happens to me, I'm probably looking to do something different too. But the stories you're telling, maybe, maybe I'm looking to do something different after that kind of stuff too. <laughs> yeah. But you kept yeah. it, no doubt you were going to keep going. I kept going. I kept going. You never questioned it. Uh, no, I never questioned it. No, kept okay. going. You know, kids change a lot of things, though. Sure. You, know, you get start having kids, and it changes. You know what you do out there. Uh, and pull your hamstring a couple of times, it changes things. <laughs> you're you're more careful. Yeah, I'm more careful, and I, I don't, you know, I don't take the rest that I used to take. You know, I, you know, occasionally, you know, that the old me will want to go out there and do something, but the younger guys that comes on now, I, I just teach them. I help them. You know, I'm like, you got questions, you know, I show them, you know, I constantly showing these new guys how to talk to people, and how to, you know, just. You know, see when like they stop somebody, there's a couple people in the car. You know, separate them, talk to them. You know, you know, and just it's that part of it. Teaching people now is kind of fun, kind of interesting. So you're enjoying see, that? I enjoy that. It's it's fun to see them. It's interesting to see how they come on. Uh, just really don't know much and see them evolve. So. Yeah, no, that's cool. So yeah. you're effectively mentoring them. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, you did some canine time without mm-hmm. getting into some of the stuff you and I were talking about off recording last time we talked. Uh, let's talk about the, the, the dogs themselves. Uh, what, what's it like being with a dog while you're working? Uh, I'll tell you what, in the city, uh, having a dog was like being a state trooper. Because in the city, we go to roll call. You and Patrol go to roll call. You go with the people you work with. A dog, the dog stays with you at your house. So, mm. and you got to take home car. You come out, load up the dog, and you mark home, and you go to work. And that's just like being a state trooper. You know, they get in the car and they mark home, and they either be proactive or, you know, wait for calls. Mm. And so I was a drug dog handler, and you know, we, you know, I would, just, I would, you know, handle any drug calls. Uh, so were you in the city or were you at home or was uh, in the city, but we would get, you know, the, all the jurisdictions around here. It's like, you know, it's a mutual. Uh, oh, so you're working for Metro area. If they don't have a dog. 
I can get called to one of the counties. Okay. If one of their dogs are either tied up or they, they don't have one working that night. So, yeah, we I'd go out to Chesterfield, Henrico. Uh, I think I went to Hanover a couple times, but it's mainly all in the city. And, you know, being a, a, a uh, canine handler, you know, you can be involved as much as you can, being proactive, or you can get with those street-level drug units and just, you know, have a ball. And, you know, that's what I did a lot of my days. I'd get with, like, the street-level drug units and just ride around with them. And so does the canine become part of the family kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, my dog was a really sweet dog. My brother, my dog's retired, and my brother has my dog now. Oh, he's, really? Yeah, he's still, he's, I think, his name is Sarek. Uh, what kind of dog? German Shepherd? Uh, Czech Shepherd. Okay. Yeah, each country in Europe's got like their own brand on a shepherd, I guess. But they're basically the same. Basically breed. the same. I think he, what I read, he's supposed to be t- more tolerant of the heat. Okay. Which I, I, I never saw. He hated the heat. <laughs> he hated the cold, too. But, uh. What was his name again? Sarek. S A R I K. Okay. Uh, he came directly from Europe. He okay. His, he had his own little passport, too. That's funny. So. He uh, he was a great dog, man. Uh, he is a great dog. He's, you know, he he's very quiet, very friendly. One of the friendliest dogs I, I think I've one of the friendliest dogs I've had. Mm. Uh, and he he had a nose on, you know. But they're the dogs are just like just like us, just like humans. Some days they come to work and want to work, and some days they come to work and they don't want to work. And you got to find stuff to, you know, get them back on track, get them motivated. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it is. You know, they're just, and they figure out, so we were trained uh, three days a month. And they knew, he knew, they know when they're in a training environment and when they're not. And so when you're out there and you're, you're not training and they realize, hmm, during training they get the toys. They get to play. And that's, they're, they're looking for those odors, those drugs. But they're looking for their toy. They want their toy. They want you to play with them. Yeah. And that's their uh, reward. And so, you know, out there on the street, they know, like, hmm, I'm not always getting my toy, so well, why do I want to do this? You know, Dad, let's, let's go train. They, want, they have a little attitude. Yeah, and so you just got to gotta change things up. And, yeah. You know, it's it's it can be frustrating at times to get them to – you know, get all excited, but it's it's a challenge. You know, some days were a challenge, and some days it wasn't. And you know, he's it was a lot of fun. You know, uh, what's their hit rate? Like, are they like super accurate, or they had good days and bad days? I mean, I I couldn't give her a percentage because it just it just depends. I mean, are you really running somebody that has drugs on them? Or are you running just Somebody that doesn't have drugs. So it just all depends. Would they hit though when there weren't drugs there? They, would they, they was, hit? Yeah. No. So they were pretty no, they, darn accurate. They are trained to get in the odor and give their alert. Whatever it could be sitting, it, it or whatever. How did uh, how did Sarah alert? He would sit probably ninety nine percent of the time. Okay. Sometimes usually when they get in the odor they just stop and they'll look at you. Hmm. Uh, he was trained to sit. Some dogs are trained to pinpoint where they just sit there and put the hold the nose right on the source of the odor yeah so but now that marijuana is legal you know that's marijuana is so easy to smell for them i mean easy for us to smell now that's off the table you know it's a lot harder for these canine handlers well in a lot of the i mean the transition for all those dogs that so all the dogs that had, had been trained on marijuana they they had to take them off the streets because you can't retrain them no uh-uh so you can't and, and, take that odor away from them. And when they, when they're being a trainer, they typically like one, two, three years old, pretty young. Sarek was eighteen months. Okay. Yeah, some I've seen. I saw some guys that were uh, had been canine handlers for twenty years. They were able to take a puppy and start working with the puppy. But puppies just like our kids, you know, that short attention span. Yeah. So generally, I I, I was always told eighteen months and up. But I've seen guys start with dogs at six months. How many dogs have you had over your career? I just had one. Sarek was the one. Yep, I just had one. So how often do you see Sarek now? Uh, whenever I go with my brothers or whenever he brings them over to my parents' house. Okay. Yeah. Not enough? 
No, no, never, not enough. He, my, my brother sends me pictures of him all the time. He's a, he's he's still a puppy man. He's he's that dog eats hamburgers, tacos, what, whatever cream. you put in front of him. Yeah, you would think that dog was four hundred pounds. He's he hasn't gained <laughs> two pounds. I bet. Does Vaughn let him ride around? I mean, he's got to, right? He takes him for walks and stuff like that. But he's he he stays inside all the time now. He mm. sleeps on the bed, sleeps on the sofa. You know, he's he's got the life. He's fully domesticated. <laughs> he is that, and he's enjoying it. It's it's good. How old is he? So, I think Sarek's twelve or thirteen. Okay. I went I went to K nine, and I think 2011, 2012. So he's got to be thirteen now. Hmm. So. And he's not a small dog either. He's 60, 65 pounds. Okay, so he's not huge. Dog, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I had a good time in uh, K nine, but some of the people I work with are just assholes so, <laughs> we'll we'll leave it at that yeah no, i could go i could go on about some of these people but so yeah. the, the last 23 years what, what are your fondest memories of being a police officer uh shoot probably the best time i had was when i was in that street level drug unit up in churchill because we we would come out and we would you know if we worked day shift we would come in I think we came in at pretty early. I think we came in at eight or no, 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 six. And we would go to either Fairfield Court or Creighton and sometimes Gilpin. But Fairfield and Creighton were right there. Now you got Nine Mile, you got Mechanicsville that either feed into it or right next to it. So all these people from the county, I mean, even Tappahannock would come and get their to score. In, yeah, get their heroin in the morning. And there's nobody out. There's only a few people out, and typically, if you we knew where all the corners were, where all they they dealt at, and so we would go directly there. And shoot, man, we would you get out, and the, the foot chase was on. So it was busy know? most mornings. Yeah, so we would get somebody early in the morning, take them back, try to debrief them, take them to lock up, came back, come back out, and go at it again. You know, it's. We were all like-minded. We all wanted to do the same thing. You know, we all enjoyed it. And it was just a great time. You know, yeah. I, had a, I had a blast. But we had a, uh, we had a new chief come in, a guy by the name of Parker. He came from Illinois, and he had a different concept of policing. And he, I don't know if we were short of people. Did he come from Chicago? Illinois. He's a state trooper. Oh, state, okay. Andre Parker, and he came in and disbanded all the, uh, we called it CRT at the time, he disbanded all the CRT and sent us all back to patrol. Hmm. And so that was like, you know, that's when, at the point in my career, I'm like, oh, I'm going to quit. You know, what? I worked my ass off to get to this point, and now you, you know, you put me back in patrol. But there's another time that I went to a school for two weeks, and they, uh, we, the department bought these little 250 dirt bikes. Man, that was a blast. I grew up on motorcycles. So that you were, you were on a motorcycle in the city? Mm-hmm. Dirt bikes. And that was a blast. That was two weeks of that school was probably, we, we had a blast. We were, we rode on the road. You know, they taught us, you know, these are the ways we want you to ride. And like the last week, and it's during the summer, we went on these trails behind the Walmart, Walmart and uh, Target. On Forest Hill, mm. and just had a blast, man. Did you ever actually do your job on a motorcycle? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'd ride a motorcycle around uh, Churchill all the time. Me and one other guy, he was uh, certified on it. You had to be certified on it before you could ride on why, it. Why does the city of Richmond need police on dirt bikes? We can get into areas that uh, you can go down alleyways easier and that kind of. Yeah, thing. you could go. You could, you could, you know, you could get off the uh, road and ride. In, in between in the buildings and I remember one night uh, these three other guys uh, they were all new I said alright I'm going to ride it and we called it Little Mosby right off of uh, Mechanicsville mm-hmm. and I said I'm going to ride up to 20th and P and see who I see and I ready you know, if I see anybody I'll call you in so I pull up and this guy sees me pull up in a motorcycle and he like stares at me. Are you dark. uniformed? Uniformed, yeah. yeah. And he like stares at me and he's looking at me hard. And we'd been out for about a year, maybe a year with these motorcycles. So they knew. And he sees that it's the police and he just takes off running. And he's running. And he's running through the cut. 
He's running between all these buildings, and I'm just you're right behind him. Yeah. yeah, and I'm not getting tired. He's getting tired, <laughs> and I'm radioing, ready. I'm telling him, "Hey, this is where we're at. We're at, you know, giving out address, location." And he runs by. They have these little overhangs over the back doors, and he takes his gun and throws it up, and it lands up on top of the roof there. And he runs about another fifty feet, and he's just—he's about to fall. He's so tired, and you know we. We, we, those three, they grab him, and uh, we go back. And he was a felon, and yeah. uh, isn't, you know, it's a lot of fun. There's one time though, I went up, I was going going through the cut, and I ran over like a skateboard. It was dark, and I ran over the skateboard, and that skateboard washed my front tire out, and I went bam. Yeah, <laughs> these, like head over heels kind. Yeah, and these kids started laughing at me. <laughs> yeah, hey, look, if I was one of those kids, I would have been laughing too. <laughs> well, I laughed too, and I, I get when I when I. Was, Realized I wasn't hurt, I started laughing too. I was like, "Damn it!" So that's pretty funny. Did you ever do undercover? Mm-mm, no. Did no. you ever want to do undercover? Uh, no. It sounds I mean, dangerous. It, it sounds dangerous. There's a guy in Virginia Beach when I was in narcotics. There was a uh, to me, it's risk versus reward. You know, there's a guy in Virginia Beach who was a narcotics detective. I think they were buying like a pound of marijuana from some dude. And the dude either went to rob him or realized he was a cop and shot and killed him. Mm. And so it's just like, it's, it's not worth it. Why? It's definitely not worth it. Drugs. Well, know? look, police officers aren't paid a ton of money. Yeah. You right? know, why, you know, you, there's other ways to get people, you know. And if you don't get them that day, then you know what? It, somebody else will get them. Yeah. And, you know, at the end, of the end of the day, I don't have to look over my back looking for some, the police to grab me. They do. You know, they might have more money than me, but, you know, you know, it's, you know, my freedom's a lot more than, you know, worth a lot more than money or whatever. Right. No, I'm with you. Um, Yeah, if I was a police officer, I don't think I'd ever want to do undercover. And if somebody told me I I had to, I'd be like, I'm looking for another career, I think. I mean, and, and. God bless the people that do undercover because it's super hard. Yeah, some of them do. I mean, obviously they do. I knew a couple guys that did it and, you know. But I mean, it's, it's a couple of them. It made their career, you know. Yeah, really but still. But still, no, I wouldn't want to do it. And yeah. I, I know it's a couple of them is just a whole total lifestyle change. I think both of them had girlfriends, and it just kind of just not at the end of it. One of them did really. One of them, yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, but the other, I think it just, you know. Uh, so when can you retire? I have two more years. Are you going to like do a full retirement and then just go do something entirely different? Yeah. Ever since day one, I've said at 25, I'm going. I've always said that. You know, it, you know, it's things, things in the past couple of years, you know, a lot of people have been quitting, you know, leaving, retiring early. But I've always said at 25, I'm going. I'm not staying. You know, the only way I'll stay is if the economy is bad. But, uh, yeah, I'll start my second career. What are you going to do? Uh, I'm going to, I have a couple of friends that do construction. I'm, okay. Uh, they're helping me line up a couple of things. Okay. So I have a certain number I want to be at. All right. So. Certain number to retire or a certain number of annual pay. Yep. Annual pay. Okay. So, so I can pay off this damn house. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, how everybody wants to pay off their house, but you, hopefully you got pretty low rates, not killing you. Yeah, I did. I did. I, I got locked in. Uh, what refinanced? Two years ago? Yes. Timing's everything. <laughs> so, All right, cool. I don't. The last time we recorded, I don't think we talked about your kids. Tell me about your uh, son and daughter. Uh, Peyton's 14, Aaron's 9, and, you know, they are, they are everything. Uh, Peyton's in, uh, he's very athletic. He's uh, focusing on baseball right now. And Aaron, she does gymnastics, and she uh, rides horses. So you sent me a picture uh, of you and your, your kids. And both of them look like you. <laughs> yeah, they do. I mean, it's it's hard to miss. Yeah, uh, Peyton more so looks like uh, Max now. More look more looks like Janet now. He's got you know she has brown eyes and he has eyes just like ours. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's you know this definitely you can tell they're mine. You know wherever you walk, I'm like oh, you can tell they're your kids. <laughs> you better be, damn it. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Uh, what's your relationship with Vaughn like these days? Uh, we're close. You know one. I don't think we were that close growing up, but when he left for the army, we started to get a lot closer. Uh, 
granted, I'm busy with the kids and all that, so and work, so I don't see them as much, you know, as I used to. But yeah, we got a close relationship. Uh, so yeah, I, yeah, and my sister. So my family's pretty close. I don't think I've ever met your sister. Is she well, between y'all or older than? No, Ball? she's older. Okay, she's yeah, older she's than Ball. Six years older than me. I don't think I ever knew there was a sister. I always knew you, you met you and you and you were what Vaughan. a year behind Vaughn. Yeah, exactly. So right. she's she's four years older than you. Okay. Yeah. I had no idea your your parents had a daughter. We hit her. Yeah, <laughs> I guess she had to be tough having two brothers. Uh, we had to be tough having an older sister. Yeah, I, 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 I hear that. Yeah, uh, she was six. She's six years older than me. So growing up, uh, you know, I wasn't that close to her. Yeah, but we got closer. You know, as I got out of school and all that. So, That's good. Yeah. Where's she these days? Uh, she's in Ashland. Okay. She's in Ashland. And, and your mom and dad, how are they doing? They're doing good. Uh, my. Uh, Unfortunately, my mom has Alzheimer's, so yeah. that's you know that's 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 a wild disease. How old is she? Seventy-seven. Uh, it's pretty pretty young to have Alzheimer's. Yeah, and you know it started with you know I can go back and look at pictures from the, like the past fourteen years of Peyton and see her in the pictures and just see how it's progressed. Man. You just see it in her face, her appearance, face, everything, man. Mm. We were, uh, I was over there the other day, and my dad was standing on the back porch, and Peyton and I were out in the yard talking to my dad. My mom walks out the door, and she, and I don't think she realizes her, who her grandkids are that much anymore, but she said, hey, Peyton, how you doing? And he started talking to her. He picked up like a stick in the yard, turned, and walked about 10 feet away from us, within, he went, three seven seconds she my mom looks at him and he's got her back to her it just gives like this weird look like this like who is that mm. and then she goes who is that and i was like damn man that's it's extremely yeah. sad yep so uh it's a wild disease man but i you know i was reading something the other day where they think they have some type of treatment or something that they that shares hope for the future of Alzheimer's. Do you think it'll help your mom, potentially? Mm, I, it's just a study. So yeah. it doesn't seem like it's, you know, from what I read, it doesn't seem like it's getting ready to come out. But, you know, if it's, I think it's important, you know, once you notice a family member or anybody that's starting to get dementia or whatever, just get them in quick, because there is medicines that can help. That slows uh, it down. That slows it down, helps with stuff. One of the things with my mom, uh, she, she, she was saying that she was hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry, and I didn't realize this, but my sister and a friend of mine whose mom had Alzheimer's, they both told me this that she, my mom had lost like 20, 30 pounds, and so some of them they forget how they forget, like you and I would get hungry. Mm, I, I need to go. To, I need to go get something to eat. That's yeah. how I eat. We don't even have to think about it. Somebody with that type of Alzheimer's, they, they're they hungry. They know they're hungry, but they don't know what to do. Mm. They can look at food, but they don't know how I can eat, and this is what I do. So they go hungry. They don't eat. Wow. Yeah. And your dad is in his early 80s? Yeah, my dad is, what, uh, 82, 83? Yeah. He's able to take care of her mm -hmm. as best yeah. he can? yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's tough. It is tough. It is tough. It's, I think it's, it's you know, it's tough on both of them. I think you know, my dad was used to my mom doing a lot of stuff around the house, and now my dad, you know, you know, he's you know, he'll go to Ashland. He'll drive into Ashland. I go somewhere, and my mom, you know, come over there. Hey, where's daddy? And, no, I don't know. <laughs> and so I, I've suggested to my dad. I said, why don't you just write a note on the table? And just leave it on the table. That couldn't hurt. Yeah, but he's stuck in his ways. So uh, when your kids get older, what do you think they're going to end up doing with their lives? Or is it uh, too, too Peyton, early? Peyton, you know, he has dreams of being in the major leagues. Okay, so, sure. Uh, Aaron, uh, and I asked Peyton the other day, so what do you want to do when you go to college? I don't know. Well, what do you want to do in life? Uh, I don't know. Well, this might be something you want to start thinking about. <laughs> you know, I want to play baseball. I said, that's great. I said, but what if, you know, let's say 
you make it and what are, what are you going to do afterwards let's say that you get hurt you know what are you going to do in, in place of baseball uh aaron a little girl shoot man both of them the sky's the limit both of them are smart mm. you know when i still think that they got you know there's some doctors or some some genius out there you know two kids that are just you know just goofy won't listen and gets all f's in school and i got their kids but uh uh aaron she she's all in horses man she's talked about being a vet good so yeah but at nine you know who knows changed 50 times yeah Yeah. but she's you know peyton boys and girls are so different you're telling me peyton you know hey Peyton, you got any homework yeah okay you gonna do it i already did it well let me see it uh, give, give me give me 15 minutes yeah. give me 20 minutes Aaron uh, you know hey Aaron you got any homework yeah where is it at I already did it and she's just getting home where'd you do it at I did it on the bus yeah I thought you got off the bus reading a book though yeah I did that before I started reading <laughs> so I was like God, okay nice yeah yeah that sounds right that sounds yeah. fairly typical yeah but you know what, you know, Peyton, you know, you and I had to study for, like, uh, spelling tests. Sure. Peyton, we had to do that up until like fourth fourth grade. Erin's never had to study for spelling tests. Really? Yeah, it's just like. Well, she enjoys reading. She's going to pick up a lot of it. Yeah, so they, they don't do that anymore. Hmm. So, well, that's so, good for her. Yeah, it's a lot easier. That's awesome. All right, well, so I hope, I hope the last two years of your uh, time with RPD is safe and good and all that and i hope uh the, ne- the second career does well for you i yeah. appreciate you you coming the first time and certainly appreciate you coming back to do this uh i am very glad that you're generally healthy other than the hamstring and calf <laughs> problem uh but i appreciate you doing this yeah man. thank you paul thank you for listening if you enjoy this episode please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts We'd also really appreciate if you'd rate and review us. You can find us at scodopodcast.com.